And we welcome you to episode two of the 2022 edition of the best podcast available presented by our great friends at Cross Country Mortgage. I'm Jason Gibbs alongside senior staff writer Andrew Gribble. We're going to get right into it. NFL, NFL draft analyst. He covers the league. He covers the draft as well as anybody. Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports joins us from his palatial studio inside his home. <laughs> Eric, appreciate it. You continue to work from home, and I'm assuming for the foreseeable future, that's where you will be as well. I've been locked up for two years, pretty much. I don't know if some of it, you know, obviously things are, are kind of opening up or opened already, but uh, I'm still in exile, guys. I'm, I'm going to ride uh, <laughs> with, with this approach and see how it takes me, you know. Well, the positive is they did let you out to go yeah. cover the Senior Bowl, and we'll see at the Combine coming up in, in just a few weeks. But l- let's get right down to it. Uh, some normalcy coming back to the pre-draft process leading up to the draft at the end of Mar- uh, at the end of April. Pardon me, but uh, your takeaways from the Senior Bowl. You got to go down to fabulous Mobile, Alabama, and. Uh-huh. Uh, I will say the people down there know how to do it and, and they do it right. But uh, your thoughts and takeaways from a week in Mobile, Alabama. Yeah. First uh, senior bowl I'd missed was last year for probably a five, six, seven year span. I don't exactly know how many it's been, but it was good to get back and good to see people from around the league. Good to see other media members and good to see this draft class, uh, you know, eyes on the prize uh, for the first time in person. I didn't, I didn't attend a college football game either this fall. And that was a, you know, a, a little bit of a change from uh, pre 2020, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, everybody starts with the quarterbacks. I don't think it's a terrible group. I don't think it's a great group. It's somewhere in between, you know, the offensive tackle group I thought was, was decent, but really the, the best, group and this you know probably interests your listeners a little bit is the 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 talent up front on defense I thought the both the edge rush talent and maybe a little bit surprisingly the defensive tackle talent was was really strong down there and that was probably my biggest takeaway from the week another one might be running back it was a little stronger than I realized receiver was pretty good as well Um, but yeah overall I would say you know it, it it may have lacked some top 10 type talents and top, even top 20 prospects overall. But if you tune into day two of the draft rounds, two and three, you're going to hear a lot of senior bowl names. I think that's really kind of where the, you know, the meat and potatoes of that group is going to end up in this draft, but also some first rounders as well. Eric, did you come away thinking that there will be two quarterbacks taken before the Browns pick at 13 in this draft? Maybe three. I mean, honestly, I know it sounds ridiculous and people are rolling their eyes and saying, you know, this this group pales in comparison to what we had last year, you know, five in the top 15 and and four in the top 11, you know, as it applies to where the Browns sit this year, you know, relatively speaking and all that. But I'm here's how I how I view it. Aaron Rodgers may not be available. You know, Tom Brady's retired, we think. Um, you know, Russell Wilson may not go anywhere. Uh, Deshaun Watson has legal issues. You know, there, there are so many potentially available big name quarterbacks who may not end up going anywhere or, you know, be there for the, for the sniping. So I, I, I just look at the number of lists or the number of teams, rather the list of teams that need a quarterback this off season, feel they need an upgrade. I mean, yeah, that maybe that makes Jimmy Garoppolo a, a prized commodity this offseason, but maybe it also puts more weight and heft and emphasis on the draft. And so, yeah, if you want to stack up, 
you know, Malik Willis and, and Matt Corral and uh, Kenny Pickett and all these guys against last year's group, you know, largely a lot of them didn't play all that great as rookies either. Struggled, went through some trials, you know, I, it, it's, it's not a great comparison. I think this year's group is notably worse, but the need is always going to be there. So you look at, at teams like Denver and Carolina and so on and, you know, Washington right ahead of you guys. So I, it still wouldn't shock me if, if at least two, if not three, go that high. That's what we've talked about uh, on the Browns Daily Radio Show. Yeah. Is you can say, well, in a mock draft, well, maybe only two guys are going to go. At some point, someone's going to panic. And these guys, no matter where you have them ranked, they're going to work their way up. And they're probably going to be a run, especially if three or four of them, uh, maybe all of them, are still available in the teens. You know there's going to be a run at some point. Absolutely. And I, I've said this almost every year. Last year, you know, I mean, I don't even know at this point last year that we 100% consider Mac Jones a first-round pick. I mean, I don't know that. I can't – I have to remember, but – you can go back and look at almost any draft cycle in the last, you know, five, six years and probably even beyond that. And in January, February, even, you know, early March, I remember mock drafts that had Laramie Tunsil going one and before the Jared Goff trade and before the Carson Wentz trade happened, you know, those guys were, were picked in the, the back end of the top 10, the, the early teens, that sort of thing. The closer we get to April, the more, and you know, it's hard to remember when you look back, but the more likely a quarterback is to go high, even if the talent suggests, hey, these are second round prospects in, in, in a vacuum, right? Or even compared to last year, whatever. So I firmly believe that, you know, quarterbacks tend to go in one direction and that's up. And that's how it, how it ends up happening in late April. Eric, it seemed like the, the one of the players that had a great week and now might be in the conversation for the Browns at 13 is Jermaine Johnson of Florida State. What, yeah. what, 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 what's there to know about him and how much a, a pass rusher like him could could really change things here? Yeah, and funny you bring him up, too, only because I, I, right when uh, when we connected here for this, I was in the midst of a mock draft and I had just passed. I just got at the Cleveland spot and thought, would I roll with Jermaine Johnson here? It's a possibility, you know, especially knowing that you know, Baltimore picking shortly thereafter is a team that wants a pass rusher and probably looking at some of the same positions that the Browns are. So, uh, you know, I, I came into the week thinking he was a late first and I exited the week thinking he's probably top 20 and top 15 certainly wouldn't shock me at all, especially this year. I just, my overall feeling is that there aren't too many players who will end up going in the top 10 this year who would have been top 10 picks a year ago. It just to my, you know, naked eye, it looks like last year's top 10 much stronger than what we have this year. Good football players. Don't get me wrong, but these are guys who had, we stacked this year's class with last year's class and did a mock draft to figure out who would go where and in, you know, a, a double class pool. I think it would be almost all 2021 prospects. So, you know, even guys like Hutchinson and Thibodeau, so, but then again, I mean, as you asked, I mean, Johnson went down there. And I thought he was the best player in Mobile. I mean, he really was from the first set of one-on-ones until he tapped out. I don't even think he practiced on Thursday, if I recall. So, you know, he was consistently winning one-on-one battles, looked great in the, in the team portion as well, 
had a, had a motor and a pursuit that you want to see out of a first round prospect. You know, it's crazy to think this is a player who, you know, was at Georgia, <laughs> like, you know, he needed to get out of that loaded all time defensive depth chart to get somewhere where he could be featured and not just be a rotational player and, and good for him. He made the most of it at Florida state and had a great final season. So you know, watch the Clemson tape. He, you know, even though they lost, he dominated, you know, watch uh, you know, really any number of tapes, uh, Boston college, a great offensive line. He played outstanding against them. So, and, and it, and it carried through to mobile. So he's got the length, the burst, the strength and the attitude. He's, he's got an edge to him too. So I really like him and I, it wouldn't shock me at all to see him there. You know, in your winners uh, and losers, I don't want to call them losers, but guys that maybe right. missed opportunities yep. at the Senior Bowl, uh, you had Dotson, the wide receiver out of Penn State. And, you know, there's a lot of buzz, but this is a big wide receiver draft. I, th I think we can all agree it's probably one of the heaviest and most talented positions and maybe an opportunity missed by him at this week's Senior Bowl. Yeah, I mean, I really felt like he could have gone down there and, and established himself as one of the top guys. Like, all you need to do, I, I shouldn't say all you need to do, but in order to make a pretty good impression, if you can, you know, show your speed and your separation ability against what was a, you know, pretty respectable group of corners down there, not not terrible, not great, not a, you know, a, a huge allotment of, of top 50 type talent, but still, I think that 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 tier right below that. I think there were some pretty competitive players down there who, who, who were in practices. You stack on top of those guys, you know, you, you beat them deep, you make a couple of big plays with his skill set. you know, that, that maybe we're talking first round. I don't know what, what to do with him. I, 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 like you said, it's another deep receiver group. You know, I, I could see him kind of fitting into that late first, early second round range. I think that's about where I have him right now probably top 40, top 45, but does he get into the twenties? Does he, does he crack the first round? I don't know. So that's how I viewed it. I thought that he had a chance to go down there and, and make an, a better name for himself and others, you know, took advantage of the opportunity that he missed out on. It seems like everyone we talked to has a different uh, favorite wide receiver in this draft. Uh, who's yours. And then I'll, I'll follow up by asking about, if Traylon Burks reminds you more of AJ Brown or Debo Samuel, which is the one we keep saying about everything, <laughs> but, everything here. Those are the two cops you're, you are legally required to make when watching him. And I, and I totally get it. Right. I mean, you watch the way Arkansas uses Traylon Burks and I will get around to your question. You know, here's this six, three, 226 pound guy who, you know, looks like a hybrid receiver, tight end type, big, long arms, huge hands. Uh, lining up in the slot, in the backfield, out wide, in motion, taking handoffs, you know, used, you know, throwing, I think he threw like seven passes in college. I don't think he completed any of them, but th the fact is they wanted the ball in his hands in as many ways as possible and as frequently as possible. You know, it was a little bit of a gadgety Arkansas offense when, uh, when Jefferson took over, well, before that too, for that matter. But it was clear that this guy had unusual ability. Um, I wouldn't quite, say he's he has aj brown's full game he can be used on downfield stuff you know brown's you know obviously before you know the injuries kind of set him back a little bit this year you know he's making plays intermediate and downfield and you see some of that from burks my question is his long speed will he be able to make those plays in college i mean in, in the nfl rather um when a lot of the stuff they schemed up for him he was able to kind of get open in college, and I suspect that that won't be as easy for him. But, you know, his, his 
you know, catch strength, being able to wrestle balls away from DBs, his physical ability, his length. I mean, all that is going to play very well in the NFL. I would say he's probably closer to Debo, but I also don't think he could line up at running back the way Debo <laughs> can. You know what I mean? Like that's the yeah. one difference. So they're really, he really is in that, you know, you get the Venn diagram where they're kind of overlapping. He's in that sliver in between, I would say. And then who's your favorite? Is he your favorite? If I had to pick one right now, and there's no clear, you know, overwhelming number one, I might say Garrett Wilson. I really like him. The more I've watched him, the more I appreciate him. He's not super big. He's not like Burks. He's not going to run a Jamison Williams type of 40. I know Williams is hurt, but you you know what I mean? He doesn't possess that kind of rare game-breaking speed, but uh, you know, he's, I, I think it was Dane Brugler who, who made the comparison to, to CD Lamb style wise. You know, he's a little smaller, but it's the same type of receiver, almost like a, a slasher uh, who can get open yards after the catch, body control. You know, instincts are outstanding. Great. Uh, you know, uh, sets up defensive backs very well. You know, gets off the line and gets off press very well. Great body control. I just think that, that, his all-around game makes him very attractive. Burks would be in that mix. Williams, especially if he was healthy, would certainly be there. Um, you know, I mean, again, Drake London from USC, he's a, I would say, a beauty in the eye of the beholder type of prospect. But I I, I see some some Mike Williams-like ability from him. But I would probably all around, in Olave too, for that matter. If I if forced to pick, I would say Wilson probably has the the fewest questions and the most strengths that I think will make them successful. Do teams we're talking with, with Eric Edholm from Yahoo sports covers the NFL and the NFL draft for Yahoo. Um, do we, do teams have issues trying to find the next Debo Samuel when really, is there such a thing as a Debo Samuel? <laughs> yeah. You bring up a great, uh, great question, which is, you know, obviously when, when you see a player who is, unusual or has a, a role that that isn't you know typical around the league or has uh, a, a rare combination of abilities like he does you know catching the football running the football you know being used in so many different ways we always want to find the next Debo Samuel or whoever that is you know it was Wes Welker as the slot receiver when he came out it was it was Travis Kelsey a tight end when he emerged you know obviously it applies to almost every position but most certainly uh uh, applies to to wide receiver um yeah other than burks there probably aren't a lot of guys i'm sure there's one or two that i'm forgetting right now i can try to look at my list as we as we talk here but yeah if, if you say i want to get one of those guys well there may not be one available and you may overrate the ones that rate closest to them i mean you know, I didn't think A.J. Dillon was Derrick Henry, but I thought he was the closest thing to Derrick Henry. And who did he go to? Matt LaFleur, who was in Tennessee, who had Derrick Henry. So sometimes these pairings work out where you see a not a clone, but a decent facsimile of that type of player, um, maybe a slightly lesser version, not quite as fast or big or, or dynamic. And you can still make it work. So from that perspective, somebody like Burke certainly comes to mind. Um, you know, there are some other receivers in this in this group that I think have some uh, some ability that maybe can can get exploited a little bit more like a Jalen Tolbert from from South Alabama. I think he's going to be a top 50 pick and could be used in a lot of different ways. So those guys are out there, but you just have to be careful not to project too much and say, 
he's exactly what we see in San Francisco. You know, we joked at the beginning about everything kind of getting back to normal here. Senior Bowl is normal. We think the combine is going to be normal. How much do you think we missed the combine last year? Or did did we all? I mean, what 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 is going to be gained this year by actually having it in its place? Yeah. I think the two, the biggest thing in talking to evaluators a year ago was the medical information. I know that's not a very sexy storyline and, you know, we love the 40 yard dash and we love the bench press and all that stuff. And, you know, we get to meet the players that come out, they talk to the media and for a lot of fans who, who follow the draft, it may be the first time that they hear these guys speak. And, and it may be the first time that evaluators in some cases, depending, you know, head coaches, GMs, scouting directors, get face-to-face time with them as well. So the interview process is very important, you know, less so for the media, more so for the teams behind curtains and stuff. Uh, and the workouts matter, you know, they certainly do, but I really believe it's the the health information. And, you know, we had some players who, who had these, these health questions that lingered right up into the draft and getting the most accurate updated information wasn't as easy as you'd think in this, in this digital age, right. And, and getting everything kind of coordinated, now that was a little bit tricky. So yeah, that's probably the biggest aspect. Um, and especially this year, I mentioned Jamison Williams and his teammate, John Mechie at Alabama, you know, Justin Ross at Clemson, George Pickens at Georgia, you know, the receiver especially is a position that is loaded with injury and Drake London for that matter, injury addled players or questions sort of lingering over their head or take, a guy who may even be available when the Browns pick, which is uh, Derek Stingley Jr. I'm not saying that they'll take him, but I'm just saying the guy who hasn't really been healthy since his freshman year. So answering those injury questions, I think it's going to be absolutely massive for, uh, for that combine setting. With this draft being wide open and really, I mean, you've got some big names at the front, but it could go any one of a, a number of different directions. How important is it for guys to participate in the combine this year? You know, a lot of times we have guys that, you know, I'm just going to do it at my workout or my, my college day or whatever. I think it's a little more important this year with the draft being as wide open as it is. It is. Yeah. I think that's a, that's an important factor. It, it's funny though. I had some conversations over the summer. I had somebody kind of mention how, how they felt that pro days were actually really important. You know, we kind of see these guys running around and, uh, you know, it, it, shorts and shells and whatnot, and it doesn't really feel like football. And we think, how much can this really change the evaluation? But I think, you know, I was surprised, you know, and you realize when all these evaluators show up to pro days, why, how important they are. But I think it definitely applies to the combine. And because of the nature you just mentioned, which is that, this is one of the tougher top tens to predict in, in recent memory. Sure, we didn't know exactly where Jalen Waddle was going to go or how high Kyle Pitts would go a year ago. And, you know, those were all questions, but we knew they were going somewhere in the top 10. We figured Patrick Sertan and, a, and at least three quarterbacks were going that high. And we figured that, that certain players belong there. This year, that 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 question is is very open-ended. You can talk to teams who have you know, late first round grades or early second round grades on players that you're routinely seeing mocked in the top 10, 12, 15 picks. So, you know, that to me suggests there's a lot of fluidity and there's going to be some misses this year as there are every year, but absolutely. I mean, one impressive interview, one clean bill of health, one strong workout, you know, maybe it makes a, a 10 or 15 or 20 pick difference on where a guy ends up going. It really can happen that way because, Teams only get to pick every 30 or so selections and they look and say, all right, we're at 15. We'd love to get them at 25, ideally. 
but we can't find a trade down. We got to take him here. We love this player based on what we saw at the combine plus everything he put on tape. That's how guys get reached for, you know, even though the teams see a fit that others may not. Which, uh, which, which strategy is more likely to be copied, you think, in your opinion, based on these Super Bowl teams? Yeah. With the Rams all-in strategy, is that going to be copied? Or is the Bengals strategy, which I guess is pretty standard, but this past year they loaded up on mid-level free agents on, on one side of the ball and, and had a lot of success that way? Yeah, I mean, right. For every, you know, look at the Bengals. For every Trey Wayne signing that didn't really work out, they got a Trey Hendrickson and they got a DJ Reader and they – you know, augmented really all three levels of the defense and, you know, added multiple cornerbacks and, and, you know, safety help as well. So yeah, I think seven of their 11 starters on defense in the Super Bowl were came via free agency the last couple of years. So, you know, that's pretty eye opening, Right. And then as you pointed out, the more extreme example, if you will, the, you know, the razor's edge, the gutsier version would be what the Rams did, which is, you're still loading up on picks. I mean, they had 45 draft selections over the last five years. Their aggressiveness really kind of kicked in in 2017, you know, with the uh, – who was the wide receiver they traded for? Sammy Watkins. So that move was the kind of the what started the Rams down this path of, you know, first-rounders be damned. Let's, let's get known quantities for those things instead of a, you know, 50-50 coin flip on a prospect. Let's go get – Elite players who are at the prime of their career, it's going to cost us, but we'll load up on day two and day three picks, especially day three. And we'll trust our scouts to find the gems, you know, the, the, the Greg Gaineses and the, you know, Darius Williamses and the guys who really, you know, Ernest Jones in round three end up kind of making the core of your team, even though the stars get all the attention. That one, what the Rams did, I think requires a lot more faith, faith in Ownership not firing you for for these uh, outside the box thoughts. Faith in your scouting department to be able to mine through the flotsam and jetsam of of you know the lower round prospects and the the less heralded guys. You know, faith in the fact that you're going to have enough depth to 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 buttress your stars and enough supporting cast. That's a I love what they've done. Don't get me wrong; I wrote a lot about it leading up to the Super Bowl, but I feel like that's the that's the tougher sell. It's great in theory, but in practice, it takes some guts and it takes some, some faith. And I don't know that every GM is going to have it. So I'll be fascinated to see. It's an, it's a great existential uh, team building question that we may not be able to answer until June. You cover the NFL, an amazing postseason and a Super Bowl uh, that I don't know if it was a great Super Bowl. Yeah. But it was, I mean, it, it brought you the drama at the end of the game that you wanted. Uh, your thoughts on the, the whole 2021-22 season and the postseason especially. Yeah, I mean, just bringing it back to the idea of some semblance of normalcy. Last year felt weird to me throughout. I mean, it was football. It was great. You guys obviously had some, you know, some some tremendous success that I'm sure you thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, uh, enjoyed excuse me. But in the whole year had a bizarre feel to it. This year felt a little bit more normal. But as you pointed out, I mean, so many thrilling finishes, you know, the first round of the playoffs, a little bit of a dud, everything from then on thrilling. The regular season had some wild moments. We had unexpected teams, you know, kind of thriving. We had some struggle that, that didn't meet expectations. You know, it was the final year for Tom Brady. You know, we, we saw Aaron Rodgers come back and have his MVP campaign. It was a pretty great year overall, all things considered. Um, but 
Yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I, I don't know what to, to kind of make of these, these teams going forward. We could see McVay and Aaron Donald retire. We could see OB, OBJ and Von Miller leave, you know, and that kind of opens up the, the, the flip side of that question, which is you have to be willing to let some of these big-name players walk because you can't afford them all, and that's the risk of this, this strategy. But it shows that, you know, outside-the-box thinking can be rewarded, and I thought that was, you know, evident with a number of teams this year and, and the way they constructed their roster. So, yeah, you're right. It was a good Super Bowl, maybe not a, a classic, but, but it, it did come right down to the final plays, and, and that's all you could really ask, I think. Eric, appreciate the time, and you can follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore Edholm, E-D-H-O-L-M, from Yahoo Sports. You can also check out his great work at Yahoo.com. Before I let you go, Super Bowl yeah. Sunday, you're, you're in the Yahoo control room. You're, you're doing the live blogging and yeah. interacting. What is the go-to food in that situation? Yeah, usually what I do, if I'm not at the game, if I'm at home, which I have been the last, obviously, couple of years, I, I usually – We'll put something in, uh, you know, some, some, uh, you know, pork shoulder or something like that. And I'll let it kind of cook slowly all day and then have it ready at like five o'clock central, right? Gate kickoff is 30 minutes away. Didn't have that kind of motivation this year. Right. So I went with the standard, the fallback. I'd make a pretty good guacamole, you guys. I'm for, you know, I mean, I gotta say like, you know, I just, even I have some, some Mexican relatives and, and they've tried it and they're like, all right. Yeah, it's pretty good, man. Like, so if they you're allowed pass, to stay in the family, exactly. I, I have I have retained my place. So I went guac. My wife appreciates it. Everybody wins, you know. Good for you, man. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, safe travels in a couple of weeks. Hopefully, yeah. the weather continues to hold out and we don't have any more winter storms. Although I, I feel like there's one coming. Yep. Today or tomorrow. So, yep. uh, but hopefully that won't happen the week of the combine. Look forward to seeing you in Indy. Continued success and all the best uh, to you and your family. Keep keep those keep those kids and that dog under wrap as best you can, <laughs> like the rest of us. Gri- Gribble's fighting a never ending battle with his. Oh, so, really? Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, the halftime show this year. Oh, the see, there you go. I mean, that that always happens. Yeah, my 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 kids wanted nothing to do with it. They just wanted football. But it was, yeah. I believe me, we're we're hanging on for dear life here. But we love them. They're great, and I uh, can't wait to see you guys in a couple of weeks. Eric, look forward to it. Thanks a lot, and continued success. Thank you. Thanks to Eric at home, Yahoo Sports, Yahoo.com. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore at home. Jason Gibbs, Andrew Gribble, best podcast available, presented by our great friends at Cross Country Mortgage. And Gribbs, I, I am very happy that you do not uh, make Zagura and I do mock drafts this early. I don't know. Yeah, it's too early. I don't know. But you're not off the hook. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's, it's one of those things, too, where you know, let's, let's be honest. I mean, we work in the NFL. It's hard for us to be watching this stuff every Saturday. That's our, our one kind of day to kind of not be engrossed in football. So I do a lot of my learning at this time of year. And I I think it's, it's tricky, especially when you've got so many different opinions, especially on these positions of need for the Browns. I mean, wide receiver depends on who you talk to on, on a given day, who their favorite one is. Uh, So it's going to come down to how the front office sees it, but, yeah, like you said, that there's not really this is this is a weird draft too. There's not a consensus top guy. It's always different when you don't think a quarterback's going number one, and I, I think that's that's what makes this real unpredictable uh, because you can never 
you can never know for certain who's going to be the number one pick if it's not a quarterback. Like even in 2017, down to that last minute, you thought it was going to be miles, but there was like, oh, Browns still need a quarterback. You know, the, the, it wasn't like a slam dunk until you heard the pick. So that's the way we'll be viewing this draft the entire way. Yeah, the more quarterbacks that can move up, I, I need a couple good showings at the combine, move up. Because then yeah. people start falling to us. And then we have more and more options at, at pick number 13. Todd McShay, his latest mock draft dropped yesterday. Uh, the best fits, best picks for each team uh, post-Super Bowl. And at pick number 13, a pick I think a lot of people will like. Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver from Ohio State, falling. Uh, what's interesting about that is at pick number eight, as I go through my uh, my pieces of paper here, Drake London, wide receiver USC, first wide receiver off the board at number eight. Great. Totally fine with that. I'm Our good guy with that. Falls. And yeah. it'll be something to watch. It's a deep wide receiver class, but I think Ohio State fan, Browns fan, would be quite pleased with Garrett Wilson at number 13. Yeah, among my favorite wide receivers in the draft, I think I've yet to like make my decision on who I like the best, but it's basically, for me, it's between Wilson and Burks from, from Arkansas. I mean, those are the two that I think, not just from what they've done in college, but I think just fit in this offense. I, I think that both, would thrive and have some success. Clearly Wilson's going to be your fan favorite among here. The, the crossover between Buckeye and Browns fans is, is pretty strong. Uh, and so it, it, it would, it seems like it would make a lot of sense. It, it's just going to be one of those things now where we're going to get, you're going to see what happens in free agency and that could change what, what you think about the positions, but it's, it's, it's almost, it's hard to make a case against wide receiver at 13, but it's also hard to make a case against anyone on the defensive line at 13. And, and that's the, those are the two positions where I look at where it's like, you can't disappoint me. Even I know the defensive tackle class this year is probably not number 13 pick worthy, but certainly pass rushers. If you can get one at 13, that with the situation you have at, at, at the, at the position, not knowing what Jadavian Clowney is going to do here in the next couple months, but you certainly wouldn't turn that down either at number 13. I mean, it, it almost comes down to, and again, this is this is February. This is mid-February. We're two months out from all this really coming to fruition. But which position will still be the strongest in the second round? Right. <laughs> I mean, that, that's – and I don't know if we know the answer to that quite well, yet. The answer every year over the last few years has been wide receiver, and that might be the answer this year again. I mean, because it's just it's, – it's a deep class, and it's just – the thing that always makes you worry is like, Pass rushers go so high in the draft and you're wondering if they're falling to 13, what's wrong with them? Cause it's like, you've got, you've got your top tier guys, but usually you can get someone that's really good at that number 13 spot. This isn't like picking at number 26 uh, last year. So it's, 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 you can get an elite player that if, if you, if you're just bringing back miles Garrett next year, you don't know what's going on in free agency with Clowney. You feel good about potentially putting someone in there that could be plug and play. Yeah, and in the Todd McShay mock, he does have the Steelers moving up in a trade with the Chargers to get Malik Willis, quarterback, out of Liberty. Uh, and, and really, it appears the quarterback run would happen in the teens, according to Todd McShay, which could make for an interesting late first round, especially if someone falls at the wide receiver position, maybe even an edge rusher. And then all of a sudden, late first round in the 20s, Maybe the Browns go back up and uh, use some of that extra ammo that they've got. It's so weird because I feel like maybe I'm just not paying enough attention, but 
the Steelers have a actual quarterback need, but I feel like they're being talked about less than other teams with ambiguous quarterback situations instead of blatant needs. You know what I mean? Like the Steelers legitimate, their quarterback just retired, like, and he's not coming back. So it's like yeah. the, the, that they have a legit need, but we talk more about the teams that like green Bay or Minnesota or Seattle who were, they've got a quarterback, but it may not be their quarterback. So it's, it's very strange, but the, I won't mind if they don't address the position. I mean, that would be great, great news for us. So, but uh, they're definitely someone that could be making a move here. All right. Factor fiction, Kyler Murray will be playing baseball for the Oakland A's when the 2022 NFL season starts. Fiction. I mean, I, why? I was, I, I I was waiting for I you to just go. I can't get think of, gifts. It's all I, right. I can't, I can't think of one reason that that would make sense. I mean, I get that things aren't going well right now in, in Cardinals land with this stuff, but they had an amazing season. I think on the field, I think they were the best team the Browns faced this year in terms of how they played in that game. Like the Cardinals were played at such a high level in that game that they, they beat the Browns in week six. I mean, they were awesome and he was great. He didn't even have to run that much. He's a really good quarterback and, you know, baseball isn't playing right now. And they, we don't know when they're going to start playing. He, but he is, I mean, he's a, I would say he's a top 10 quarter. I think, I think he's a top 10 quarterback right now. I mean, things are going to be fine. Losing is hard. I get it. Like the Cardinal season did not end the way they thought it should, but he'll be back. Like there, I, I don't, I, I'd be stunned if he's anywhere but Arizona. I know there's all this stuff that is, has come up over the last week, but. I mean, they be, they they already gave up on a number one first round quarterback after one year for this guy. I mean, there's there's clearly he's he's their future, and he's. And by the way, that was a really right playing well. Yeah, it was <laughs> the correct decision. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, he he's really good, and I think Arizona like there's no there's no move that makes Arizona better without Kyler Murray at, at the center. I mean, I, he's I'm, he's a great player. I have no idea where this is coming from. I, I don't know yeah, what yeah. it stems from. I don't know. There's some hurt feelings. I'm not quite sure. You know, with Mortensen was reporting uh, on Sunday, if that's coming out of Arizona's house, I'm not really sure what the thinking or what your end game is by by saying the things that you said about him. <laughs> but it, it just it, it is flat out mystifying. I don't know if he's looking for a contract extension already. You know, maybe that's the case. Uh None of it makes any sense. And frankly, I felt like that team won in spite of their coach. So, yeah, that's they were real. I said that that team, if they played the Super Bowl after they played the Browns, they're when they're beating any team in the NFL. They were nope. so good that that at that in that game. And it just didn't, they just couldn't sustain it. I, I don't, it's like they peaked, they definitely peaked too early. They peaked a little too soon this year. Fact or fiction, you will not attend another Super Bowl party again until your kids are old <laughs> enough that you don't have to worry about figuring out what to do with them. That is a fact. I, I missed large portions of this game. I got to hear uh, Kevin Harlan and Kurt Warner on the radio. Great call of the game. They were doing a great job with that uh, while navigating some snow in Cleveland while driving. And then I still have not watched the halftime show. I need to sit down and carve out 15 minutes to watch this halftime show that was geared toward me the target demographic 100% for the first time ever. I was the audience that they were seeking out for the super, super bowl half show. I need to watch it. I, I have to do it. But yeah, I mean, I, 
it was probably I still saw the majority of the game. It was uh, I've definitely seen less of a Super Bowl in previous years because of being at Super Bowl parties. But if if your goal is to consume the game, this is my like ultimate hot take. Super Bowl parties are not something you should do. Like if you want to just watch the game and be like engaged with the game, you got to do it by yourself or you got to do it with like maybe one or two people. Like, it's just, it's not something that can be, unless you're in like a movie theater, like you're, you're in that weird living room, standing and sitting on dining room chairs instead of couches, you know, like you, you've got the the temporary chairs. It's, it's just a tough, it, it's just a, a weird, weird place that I'm at with Super Bowl parties right now. Now I'm telling you that it happened to me nine years ago, nine years ago, went to a party, great friends of ours. There were probably 50 people. There was one 40 inch TV. I was about two miles from the TV. Couldn't hear anything. Could barely see it. And the halftime show ended. And my wife looked at me and said, we need to go home. Like the kids have to go to bed. I'm getting tired. I was like, that's it. No more. I don't care. Going forward, you can do whatever you want on Super Bowl Sunday. I will be at my couch. If someone wants to join, great. Otherwise, I'm making the food that I want to make. I'm just sitting there. I'm being lazy. I'm drinking beers. I don't I don't care to talk to anybody. I don't want to. All good. Yeah, I, I can't wait for the moment where one of my kids asks to watch the Super Bowl with me. I don't know if that will ever happen. Uh, but we certainly are not there yet. Uh, my youngest on the way home uh, cried and did, would, did not enjoy that we had Kevin Harlan on the radio instead of Encanto. Uh, I mean, it was just, it was a tough, tough scene. Uh, she did not understand why we were listening to what we were listening to, but hard lesson learned. So we'll, we'll, we'll try to avoid that situation moving forward. It was unforced error on our parts, but we'll, we'll be better in, in 2022. Hopefully we're at the game in 2023. So that's, that's, I can avoid that altogether by actually being at the game in 2022. All right. NFL combine two weeks away next week on the best podcast available. We will preview the 2022 NFL combine. Uh, Make sure you like and subscribe today to the best podcast available, wherever you get your podcasts. Also check us out every week, youtube.com slash Browns. You can watch us as well. Keith Mullahan doing a fantastic job. Anthony Bacco with the assist this week for the vacationing Jeff McDaniel. Hopefully he's enjoying his time away. We are all back together next week. Eric Edholm, shout out to him. Appreciate all of his time from Yahoo Sports. Make sure you go to yahoo.com and check out his work. For Andrew Gribble, I'm Jason Gibbs. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the best podcast available.